and welcome to our The 100 Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Brittany Ray, and I'm a 28-year-old writer and TV critic from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass milfs and long naps. I'm on Twitter at, at Britannia, where I can be found attempting journalism and talking about my cat. And my name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 22-year-old actor and filmmaker from Alberta, Canada. I like brooding anti-heroes and feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at The 100 Script on Twitter, and you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. Today, we are so excited to be able to talk to the king of props, <laughs> Anthony Vanny. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Yay. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. So you were an absolute big hit at Unity Days this past January. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool. It was a lot of fun. Um, it it it's very out of, or- of the ordinary for somebody in my position or somebody that like our team to actually be able to go and interact with fans. So it was a real treat. So I'm glad everybody seemed to respond well to it. I mean, I know for a lot of people, it was their absolute favorite part of the con. <laughs> That's that's pretty yeah. that's pretty high praise because uh, those, yeah. those conventions are pretty fun. The uh, the actors and everything are such awesome people. So uh, the fact that uh, we we even got on the same pedestal as them is very high praise. So so we have a our first question is usually like what's your what's your origin story? How would you come to the hundred? And we actually had a question from Emily at I Followed Fires on Twitter who was asking what's your supervillain origin story? How did you get started working in props? Um, it was pretty much by accident for myself. Um, it's, uh, I had been going to film school for about a year and, uh, somebody on Facebook just decided to ask, uh, out in the blue if they knew anybody who could build some props for a day and somebody tossed my name out. So I got hired on to build protest signs and I did that. And then they realized I wasn't super stupid so they brought me back another <laughs> day. um and it kind of went like that for a couple a few small shows until the prop master i was with got hired onto a larger show called strange empire for cbc it was my mm-hmm. first series and uh eventually that prop master left and another prop master uh paxton who is the current prop master of the hundred uh, was brought on to uh fill the spot he met me and since then, he's kind of just realized that he, he recognized that I was had a handy ability to put things together in a short amount of time. Uh, and he's told me that he was moving on to a new show called The Hundred, new show for him because it had already been in production for two years. Right. And uh, he wanted somebody to build some stuff for him. So I was like, yeah, for sure. I'll come on board. And since then, it's just been slowly assembling the team and... Uh, you know, making it up as we go in a way. So it's a it's a very dear show to me because um, I've learned so much with it. So uh, it's been a really awesome experience to tie my career and my own personal like you know fandom for the show so tightly together. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And before you worked on the hundred, what other shows were you on? Did you have like a favorite or? Uh, before I was on the hundred, uh, we'd done a couple small, personally for me, uh, I'd done a couple small Hallmark, you know, MOWs, um, we yeah. series Strange Empire, which is a Western, uh, we did some Japanese gangster movies, um, there's kind of a small mishmash. But that's awesome. I did a show for Robert Kirkman, uh, the name of which is eluding me right now, but it was with Jaiman Hansu and Norman Reedus, that was a lot of fun. Oh, cool. But I think if, it, if before the hundred, Strange Empire probably would have been my favorite show because the cast and crew on that were so spectacular. Um, and uh, it's I've been lucky. I've been very, very fortunate in my time to have worked on a number of shows that uh, I personally can feel invested in because I either care deeply about the crew or the story. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. not the case for a lot of people. So I'm very, very fortunate in that in that regard. Do you watch it live when it airs? Uh, I try to. Normally when it's airing, I'm working on another show and right. it, it'll air in the middle <laughs> of the week and, you know, but I'll try to sneak home uh, for midnight 
and watch it when it streams on Netflix because mm -hmm. Netflix, yes. <laughs> yeah, they're lucky. You know, we're lucky enough in Canada to have it uh, streaming yeah. the day after. So I do my best. I, I really do. Um, I'd love to watch it live when it's airing on the West Coast, so I could you know live tweet with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fortunately, last year I was on Supergirl, so that uh, took up a lot of time. But oh wow, that's so cool. That's a lot of alien props. Yeah, I, I came on a little bit late in the season because uh, the 100 and Supergirl uh, overlap, but I was able right, to right. do, do mm -hmm. a couple cool things for them. And that crew, again, is super awesome. They're they're so talented. So it was a nice change to go from everything being grubby and dirty to uh, suddenly high-tech, sleek alien Supergirl. Mm -hmm. so. I was going to say that's a different type of challenge, but I guess Allie's whole world is sort of that same sleek kind of design too. Yeah, I remember when we first got the the prompt for Becca's lab and everybody in the shop kind of we kind of blanched a bit because doing anything clean in our sh in our shop is very difficult because <laughs> there's so much grime and dirt that we work in every day uh so pristine clean white was gonna be a bit of a challenge but it's it's always nice to shake it up so Cool. So usually we have um, more questions from us, but we got so many questions from uh, some of our listeners. So we oh, wow. we'll just okay. just dive into those. So um, this question comes from our friend Danny Sam, who is at Sam's Jazz FF on Twitter. And she asks, when working on the different crews, the Sky People and Allegis, do you have a certain method to creating their wardrobe? Like a certain crew uses certain colors or certain fabrics. And has that changed as the story has progressed? Or like with props, like, do you tailor different props? Right, right. Um, so with regards to costumes, yeah, I couldn't really speak too, too much sure. on, on that. Um, but uh, with regards to the props, um, if I understand the question correctly, is it, is it about the world building or is it you kind of popped, popped in and out there for a minute? So Yeah, world building. Okay. Um, we will often take into consideration um, the first thing for us, ideally, is we want to understand where the item exists in the world. So right. um, what it might have been used for previous to the current storyline, because so much of it is reclaimed materials. Right. Uh, and then from there, we will attempt to um, see what we have available to us uh, in order to you know, create the actual item with regards to the different clans and, and, um, the different, uh, factions within the world, the art departments, um, and the production designer will get sort of a general feel, uh, and give us a package of what they kind of feel, uh, those clans exist in that kind of world. Mm -hmm. Costumes will have a very, very heavy influence in that. Um, and they will, take on you know uh for example ice nation heavily involved in the furs um mm -hmm. a lot of those kind of materials whereas polis is a little bit more industrial because it's built on a city so they have a lot more copper accents and stuff and and we'll take those items into the weapons and try to um, reflect that as best we can uh so ice nation weapons tend to have a little bit more wood in them whereas polis weaponry or polis machinery or gadgets tend to be a lot more gears and tech and that kind of stuff. So it kind of starts from the ground up um, where you just ask what's around them and what are they using? And then you go from there. And that really came into play during the Conclave, right? Like having to design different weapons for each clan. Yeah, the Conclave was really interesting because for, for a long time, most of the weaponry we created was um, sort of by necessity short swords. Uh, the pace at which this show films means that um, our stunt team has to develop uh, new routines really, really rapidly. And swords are just a very easy weapon to work with and train with. So especially for actors and whatnot. Um, and we obviously go through a lot of uh, performers because people die. Mm -hmm. But the Conclave, was they came in and were very specific. We want all kinds of new weapons. They want maces. They want hammers. They want, you know, uh, all kinds of stuff that we'd been kind of chomping at the bit to do. Uh, and it gave us a real opportunity to to go forward with that. So 
in regards to somebody like the Plains Rider, um, he was going to have a hammer. They wanted him to have a hammer. So we kind of took the idea that if he's a rider of some sort, sort some sort, he would have a cavalry hammer, so a very, very long hammer um, right, right. that could be swung from horseback. But then also the actor they got was six foot eight or something like that. So it ended oh up having gosh. to be extremely large. Uh, Jesus. Yeah, it's it's essentially an if you've actually seen it, it's a it's a seventy five pound anvil on a stick, so wow. it's an enormous <laughs> weapon. Uh, and then things like Luna's weapon was obviously a trident because yeah. um, the flow through aspect. Yeah, that was so cool. So we try our best to reflect as much as we can um, when we can, but uh, that was a real treat for us. So a lot of work. And you finally got to build a shield during that too, right? That's what I remember talking at Unity Days. Yeah, it's since season three we'd wanted to do shields, and it was just sort of like, don't do shields. Shields are annoying. They're just a hassle to build or a hassle to use. Uh, and I was like, all right, fine. And then in season four, Elliot, who's one of our other lead builders, came in and was like, we need to do shields. And I was like, nah, man, we don't do shields. And then finally, the Conclave episode came up, and Paxton walked into the shop and was like we're doing shields and we all just kind of <laughs> little jig and got, yeah, finally got to work building uh, a couple different uh, shields for fi- for use finally. So it was a real treat. Yeah. Wasn't one of them kind of like made out of, I want to say like a bicycle tire and then a car door. Yeah. So Roan's shield was a bicycle wheel that uh, was reinforced with, it was looked, it made to look like it's been reinforced with metal and created uh, an actual shield structure on the bicycle wheel. And then yeah. the broadleaf warrior who's carrying the mace and is in the three on two fight with Octavia and Ilian, he has a shield that's essentially just a car door with a strap on it. <laughs> so that was to see him i remember showing him that in in uh the costume fitting and he was just like oh my god (laughs) so you use what you have you find it (laughs) yeah that's it that's it um so this one comes from our fellow podcaster claire who's kane and griffin on twitter um some of this question runs afoul like the spoiler please so i'm gonna Try and be careful. Okay. Um, but she wants to know about like how you guys went about building props for not specifically the bunker, but sort of the second dawn, you know, things like the, the logos and the key specifically. Right. Was that, was that you guys? Um, it, it did, did fall upon our department. Um, mm-hmm. We used, uh, because there was a lot of uh, props in and around those episodes as we were building. And that one in particular was going to be very complicated. We outsourced that to another prop shop in town called unlimited design and um, essentially, they were. We gave them a an illustration uh, that was provided by our department, and it was a th- entirely three D printed piece. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, so it's entirely three D printed, and then would be uh, assembled with a number of channels on the bottom that would all line up, sort of like a, an actual lock would. So when you mm-hmm, put yeah. the key inside and rotated it, it all spun into a particular location. Um, the, so they were able to model in 3d how all the lettering would line up when, cause when you actually rotate it, it says from the ashes, we will rise on the actual lock. Yeah. That's uh, so cool. So they printed that. We got the one hero print of it. And then when we got it back to the shop, we, uh, molded that device in silicone and then cast a number of, uh, hard resin, duplicates that wouldn't actually turn but we could still place in the uh in the door hatch right because the 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 turning one's a little bit delicate and you know after long days of shooting people walking around it's on the floor we were kind of worried that it was just going to get destroyed so we've got a couple copies of it uh kicking around and uh yeah it's a, it's a really really fascinating piece this year we've done a lot more 3d printing in-house uh on in the actual studio because we have the access mm-hmm. to a 3d printer now ourselves but um the guys at unlimited design do all kinds of stuff for every major show that rolls into town so they're super super talented and we work with them as much as we can has 3d printing really changed how you approach certain projects now oh yeah absolutely i mean it's uh 
having access to 3D printing technology just for the last few years opens up a number of different avenues. But now having a printer within the shop that we can just, I can quickly model a piece and, you know, in maybe 10 hours or so we've got it created, changes everything because we don't have to scrounge for individual parts to, you know, find a piece that works, especially on a show like this, because there's so much um, cobbling together of of different pieces to create uh, found object items. Sometimes you just can't quite find the piece that makes it look complete. So having access to the ability to just whip that up really in relatively short amount of time opens up so many creative avenues. So, yeah, I wondered about that, and I can't believe the key actually like spun. That's crazy. Yeah, a lot of people think it's a it's a effect, a digital effect. I've had a couple yeah. with on that, but it is an actual physical prop that does that does entirely function. So, oh, that's really cool. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to take the mold of the solid one and like turn them into clocks because they're just they look cool. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that would be so cool. That would be dope. Even that resin casting would be really cool to have like like on a mantle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> maybe and Claire we'll, maybe was we'll, also maybe we'll contact Joe. See if she she wants. Oh my can... gosh, she would. <gasps> she would love that. She absolutely would. Yeah, well, we're I, talking to her not, tomorrow. Don't quote me on that. That's not my. <laughs> <laughs> and Claire is also. She's just really, really interested in the whole Bill Cadigan thing, and so she was also wondering if the design team knew when they started developing grounder iconography uh, that it was going to turn out to be derived from Cadigan. Uh, that is a question that I can't answer. I mean, both spoiler wise, but also that's, that's falls more into the realm of the writing team right. and uh, the head of the art department, the production designer. So I can't really speak to that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, this next question comes from my mom, <laughs> Denise, who is at DC <laughs> Jeffrey, and she wants to know, uh, if they told you what to draw in Lincoln's notebook or if it was mostly up to you and which drawing was your favorite? Uh, yeah, as far as I know, um, the, the notebook that was illustrated in season one, uh, was done by another artist in the art department. And, uh, as far as I know, they gave a pretty specific list of, um, drawings and then just ask for an extra few drawings uh, mm-hmm. to fill it out and create the world. Um, with regards to the illustrations that I've done, they've always been pretty plot specific because right. because I'm, you know, I'm working in props. So they're usually very specific to the story. So things like Luna's map or Luna's illustration or um, any of that kind of stuff. It's always been very, very specific about specific about what they want, and we'll usually go through a few iterations before we kind of get where they are going. Uh, things like Lincoln's map, especially the actual topography of the map, changed a little bit here and there mm-hmm. as they decided what they wanted them to sort of encounter on the way. Um, so they're usually pretty good with allowing a certain amount of creative freedom, uh, but also especially, you know, the writers and Jason, they know what they want. And if it's not what they want, they'll, they're more than happy to tell you, which is, which is good because it it eliminates a little bit of that, uh, that sense of the unknown. And like this question jumping down a little bit, but it's, it's relevant um, in a different way. This is from Samantha and Max's, you know, you mentioned the, uh, the map, and I, mm-hmm. they want to know, like, what the process is in creating those maps. Like, do you kind of get to decide what the design is or is it sort of dictated to you? Um, the art department will work with uh, the writers and, and Jason and the directors, depending upon what they're what they need. Mm-hmm. And they will sort of go back and forth on how locations exist and all this kind of stuff. Uh, once they've kind of got a general broad strokes, they'll usually just send me like a, essentially a napkin sketch of, uh, you know, this is, I mean, a little bit more refined than that, but it's just like, here's the basic layout of the map. These are the kind of symbols that we want. Um, and then it's, it'll be my job to make it look correct. Uh, there was another map that I did, which was Roan's map. Uh, Mm. right. Yeah, and that one they had 
come up with the idea of using the, an old transit map. So they created the art department created that, gave that to me, gave me a few specific locations um, that they had decided existed within their world story wise. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I filled out the rest with symbols and what I thought might make sense for, you know, locations to access water or shelter or things that he would mark down. Um, but as far as I know, they've got a certain, they've got a plan for uh, everything that exists in the world, where it exists. I don't know all of those details because uh, I think they, you know, if it doesn't exist on screen, it doesn't exist yet. So it gives them a lot of free freedom to change things as they need. Right. And um, what season did you come in? I came in uh, right at the beginning of season three. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Ever since season three, I've been there. I think I remember Aaron Ginsburg posting a picture, uh, like a close-up of that map. And so yeah. like you can really see all of the detail that you put into it. Yeah. It was funny. I remember seeing that photo and then seeing blog posts about people doing really, really intense uh, analysis of it. Yeah. yeah. And, um, Guilty. Most of them, most of them got it right. Like what I, what, you know, what was, what was happening. So it was interesting to see how clever some of the, some of the fans could definitely be. That's awesome. That's really cool. <laughs> I definitely looked at that and I was like, okay, so this means this and this is, and then of course, you know, prime fire happened and down. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Whole <laughs> this question comes from Veed who is uh, at T100 crew on Twitter are there any props that we haven't seen as a result of scenes being cut or the direction of the story changing that like you were attached to? Oh yeah. I mean, so, so many, <laughs> <laughs> um, the show changes a lot as, as you film, as you know, the season goes on, tons of stuff gets left on the cutting room floor in the name of pacing or time. Um, and other times we'll get a script at the beginning of the week. And then based off of, whatever circumstances occur, those scenes might be entirely cut by the end of the week uh, mm -hmm. before we've even started shooting. So there's, we have like a warehouse full of stuff that has never seen the light of day. But um, most of those, the good thing is most of that stuff we can keep and recycle. Um, we can hold mm -hmm. on to these things for another scene down the line where we maybe we can tweak it and then uh, get it back in. We have a common, a pretty common joke that there's this giant wrench that is the most filmed wrench in television because I think we got it for season three, like midway through season three, we created this giant wrench and it has been in so many shot in so many scenes, <laughs> but every single time it gets shot, that scene gets cut. Oh my gosh. So it's just always, I think the directors and whatnot now are just like, don't show me that wrench. <laughs> Never. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I can't. I can't really talk too much about specific items. Um, sure. I know. I know one of my guys, Elliot. He his first job uh, for us. He built a tattoo gun. Uh, that right. was essentially a grounder tattoo gun. That was this, this awesome, like moving spike that you kind of hammer the back of it in, and it sort of sort of helped to create the uh, the intention of where the the grounders got all their tattoos. Um, mm -hmm. and scene was was cut so it never saw the light of day but that was a very very cool piece right i always wondered how grounders got tattoos yeah right it sounds no, more it's painful still, it's than still a mystery it's, it's, yeah still the most, but... yeah um i remember you mentioning at uni days though you built um for the i don't remember quite what it was but it was a, a sort of a lamp with the glowing butterfly in it yes this that's true um i there had been a initial pitch in season three that pike was going to have a weird lantern when they first encounter him like he's been living off the land and either has some sort of glowing fungus lamp or something mm -hmm. and i always immediately i was like oh i want to make a lamp that has a glowing butterfly in it because it's such an iconic uh, yeah. piece of imagery and that scene was a scene that got cut so i never got to build it and then in season four um, when they go to um, Trishana crew and they go to Ilian's farm, right? There was another beat where there was going to be this butterfly lantern, and so I built this lantern that had a little animatronic butterfly in it that would move around. You can you can kind of find things like that on Amazon, the little jar jarred butterflies. Yeah, right. you tap and they move around. So it was essentially that that was painted in uh, UV sensitive paint, 
and then we would put a little UV light in the top. And when they filmed it, they could have an actual glowing butterfly on the set that they could then punch up with visual effects. So I built it and I was, I was so stoked about it. And then it got, it got cut. So I was like, all right, <laughs> it's still sitting around somewhere flittering in the, uh, in the warehouse. I'm taking it home. It's mine now. Yeah, exactly. It's an interesting piece of home decor. I, I, I'd love to get it back and then just, yeah, hang it in my bathroom. <laughs> of the bathroom Just turn on the lights, have a romantic evening with the glowing butterfly. There you go. <laughs> just, a, you know, kick up a bubble bath, you and your butterfly. That's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> we know that you were the one who wrote the names on Clark's rifle strap. So were there any names that you sort of were wondering, ah, I don't know if I should put this in, like maybe I won't, like which name gave you the most pause? Right. Which names gave me pause? Um, there were a few. Um, I I essentially did that just as an idea to... I really wanted to make this the, the rifle hers. And so a big part of Clark's characters is, you know, the weight of the dead. Um, there was a couple members of um, Mount Weather... Mm-hmm. Um, that I was kind of like a little bit, mm, um, there was, uh, who else was there? There was, t- I think I put Titus on there too. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, eh. but I was like, okay. I mean, she's once he died, it was, you know, she still feel, I, I always interpret it as like the, the loss is, you know, she still feels responsible for the loss of life, even if she wasn't particularly fond of the dude. Yeah. Right. Uh, so there were, there were definitely a few that I was like, maybe, maybe not. But at the end of the day, um, it was also just a kind of a nod to the fact that these are people that are gone and it's just mm-hmm. sort of the, the cost of the story. Uh, so that there was definitely that, um, I was a bit tentative to even do it, to be honest. Uh, luckily, um, Jason saw it and thought it was cool. But um, given given sort of the the fan base's reaction to certain characters' demises, uh, yes, it, it can be it can be a tricky kind of thing. So, but luckily, you know, um, it's been met with pretty a pretty good response. So. And it's also it's also very difficult to know when to put that input as uh, uh, from the props team because you know we're not the writers, mm-hmm. we're not the showrunners, we're not the actors, so we're trying to influence the story and characters and represent that uh, in our own little way. But at the end of the day, this is their creation, and we just get to play with these very very interesting and dynamic characters. So it's always a little bit of a has, there's a little bit of a hesitation when you do something that is connected to a character uh, because you don't want to step on any toes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I had no idea until people started posting screen caps on Twitter, and I think you actually posted it, that the rifle had that level of personalization. And I thought that was just such a cool touch that, you know, since then has really taken off and people just love yeah, it was. It's it's weird. I mean, I because I'd been posting stuff previously. Um, that you know, just little shots of items that we're proud of that you know are there or gone, or you know mm-hmm. that people might want to get a better look at. Because occasionally we get cosplayers asking us, and so I'd done it. I'd done it a little bit previously with certain other items, uh, but that one in particular blew up so <laughs> fast. I, I went into panic mode. I was like, oh, God, I'm going to get a call from, you know, somebody being like, why did you do this? Uh, but luckily, they, they're all, the, the higher-ups are all very, very supportive of, uh, you know, of anything that, the, that, uh, that we do. So mm-hmm. I, I got lucky. I, I think it's just such a cool prop. I didn't actually get to see it at Unity Days, but everyone who else saw it thought it was incredible. Yeah, I saw it. I got some pictures. I'm glad to hear that. I'm Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, this question comes from Flo, and I don't know if you can answer this, but she wants to know about Raven Raven's necklace. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think you guys had a hand in creating that, but did are there more or are we going to see it again sort of thing? 
Um, well, I can't answer about seeing it again, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But um, we didn't have a hand in creating it. That you know, was created in season one, but there are a right. couple different versions of it, um, most of which have survived. I think there's, I think we have one of the hero versions, it's the full necklace, and then another one that is sort of a compressed version so that when she wears it, um, it's not sticking out, you know, like six inches right. on her chest because the shape of it is pretty bulky for a necklace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very cool piece. It's made out of solid, you know, aluminum um, stock. Uh, very, very well crafted, but uh, it's also, it was a little bit uncomfortable and whatnot. So it's anytime we can kind of sneak it away and be like, it's under her shirt. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> like for practicality reasons. Oh, she just, she took yeah. it off for today. Yeah. I was going to, we were going to bring that to Unity Days actually, but it was one of those items where we were like, uh, if this goes missing, you know. Yeah. 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 yeah so we held on to it. This question is from Amy, and I'm just really sorry in advance for this question. Um, oh, the first part is fine. How far ahead of time do they give you to crank out new props for an episode? And also, are you single? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. Well, I'll, I'll go with the first one for now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's entirely dependent upon the prop. Um, normally, we shoot an episode in about eight days. Mm -hmm. So as we are shooting one episode we will be preparing for uh the next episode uh at the same time hopefully we've got everything done for the episode that we are currently shooting that's usually not the case uh just because of the amount of time that we have so we'll we'll be building you know we'll be filming day two of the episode and we'll still be building props for day five and six while also trying to prep props for the next episode's work um on a large scale show, you know, something like a sword, a hero sword, you might want to take, you know, a week to build all the different versions and maybe two weeks if it's a particularly important piece. Mm -hmm. We will build hero swords like Echo Sword, I think I built in a day. Holy crap. And then we, we molded that in roughly the same amount of time. So we did everything in about three or four days from first hero to um, final paint on that. Other props, things like uh, the Alley's attack drone, we mm -hmm. took a little bit more time. We had to think about six or seven full days on that uh, to complete that with um, myself doing majority of the, the body work. And then our mold maker uh, molding and casting the rotor arms. And then myself and Elliot and one of our other builders, Rob, um, doing the final paint and uh, aging and all that kind of stuff. So depend, it really depends on the piece, but usually not more than a week. And that is well on the out, like that is an outlier. Um, as for the second part of the question, uh, no comment. <laughs> Perfect answer. <laughs> Um, so this next question comes from B, who is at General Antiope on Twitter, and she asks, if you could change the design of any of the past props, would you? There's, yeah, I mean, a lot of different ones. There's things where we'll see it on screen and go, oh, that didn't work quite the way we were hoping for. Um, I think there's a prop in this current season that I, I looking back on, I'm like, ugh, should have changed, <laughs> changed that. Just, just for the sheer ease of the, uh, the onset crew. But from season three and four, let me think. Um, hmm, that is a good question. I think there's a uh, there's a couple swords. Oh no, I know what it was. Um, in the fight between Theo and Roan. Mm -hmm. We, uh, Fio's two small short swords, I would have changed the design because, um, those guys, they looked fine, but those guys, when they this, did that actual fight, went so hard that Fio's swords came back as splinters. They were just, wow. yeah, uh, Zach, Zach goes hard <laughs> uh, and it looks, it looks awesome. Like it, we want them to do that, but I would have probably knowing what they were going to do, I probably would have made them change the design to make them a little bit more robust. Zach proof. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Zach proof. 
when you like make the ones that they're going to use on set, do you ever just kind of mourn the d- the destruction <laughs> of them? No, not so. But it's funny because that's the best part I find about having the shop um, right like within the actual uh, show as opposed to using an outside build shop like a lot mm-hmm. of shows uh, do is I get to but myself and Paxton get to work so closely with the uh, the stunt team and they know that um, you know we're, we the, the thing I take the most seriously about my job is safety. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Because the things that our actors use or and our stunt crew use come from us. So we want to make sure that everybody goes home at the end of the day. And um, so they will come to, you know, Kimmy, who's one of our, uh, our stunt coordinators, will come to me asking for whatever items they need uh, for this next fight for rehearsal. And we will make them rehearsal weapons um, that are exact replicas of the, the uh, final product so that they can just go hard and destroy them in rehearsal mm-hmm. uh, so that they know and they don't have to hold back. And then same thing. We, we always tell our, our guys, our stunties, like, you know, if it gets broken, we'll make you new ones. It's not a problem. That's what we're here for. But it allows them to really get the performance that they want without having to worry um, and be safe because we can create things that uh, have a certain level of tolerance that isn't, you know, safe for the actors. So that is so cool. They just get to wail on everything. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. They'll, they'll, they'll go for to a rehearsal and Kimmy will come back with just like a handful of broken parts and be like, thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, but that's good because then she knows right off the bat, like what the failure points are, where we have to right. reinforce. And then for the final, hopefully for the, the, the final day, we'll be able to, to rectify that if, um, with the amount of time that we have. That being said, there are definitely items that the, the actors break unintentionally that we mourn. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's always more of the problem of for our, our onset Brian because he's the one who has to scramble to save our butts. So, yeah. can you give an example of something like an actor broke and we were like, "Oh, that wasn't great." Uh, yeah. So we got there was an item that we'd made. It was the a little three D printer. Uh, that was being used to print the alley chips. Um, okay, yeah. Right. And so cool. Raven, I think Raven recruits Jasper to yeah. break into the office to steal it. So we actually built this little 3D printer. It's about this, like the size of your palm. It had little actuating, you know, arms. Um, so you could see where the arms would go back and forth to kind of create this this chip and they would then actually create it with visual effect it but it was a pretty intricate piece with a, a lot of very very fine detail mm-hmm. so we made a pair of them and we got them on set and brian handed it i believe it was i don't know if it was to Lindsay or the first ad but it was in rehearsal and apparently somebody just tripped and when they tripped they basically threw it across the room oh my gosh so it, it was just shattered before it even got onto camera oh um, r.i.p so yeah luckily luckily we had they had a backup and i got a very frantic phone call so I had to, but this happens a lot where we'll get you know phone calls um you know something's an accident's happened something's broken luckily they have a duplicate so they can continue shooting but if something happens to that duplicate then they're hooped so we will run out to do you know emergency surgery surgery on the props <laughs> if we're if we're in the area right. uh so but also our onset Brian and our, our truck supervisor Rob, they um, are really really good at rectifying any of those problems to the best of their ability, so that the show the show can go on uh, and they can get through the scene, and then afterwards the items can be sent back to the shop for for repair. I think didn't Brian mention I believe um, at the crew panel that Ali's backpack went missing at some point. Yeah, it. Uh, we built it. Myself and a builder named Matt Wilson um, built the original Alley backpack. It shot for one day, and then it just vanished. <laughs> That's so weird. Nope. Nobody knows. It's, uh, again, it's being used as a nightlight somewhere or something <laughs> like that. But um, so, which happens, you know, things. Uh, you know, there's a lot of moving parts on a move on a film set, and uh, they have a tendency of moving locations uh, a lot. So sometimes things get picked up by crew. You know, one crew will pick up a box that 
is not theirs by accident or something will get misplaced. So it does happen. Uh, but we then had to pretty much rebuild the entire backpack from scratch um, in like four days. Oh my so, God. Yeah. Luckily, and luckily Matt was such an awesome builder. He's actually the prop master on Supergirl now. And he's such a, such a talented builder that uh, it turned out almost identical. So it was great. Did you need to have a different alley backpack from when like Jaha was just walking around with it versus when Murphy like threw it into the water? Or was it the same backpack? Yeah, exactly. There, there's multiple different versions of it. And the design of it actually subtly changed over the course of the season as mm-hmm. um, more things were done with it. Uh, slowly, we would modify um, aspects of the backpack that you hadn't quite seen yet to allow different functionality. But yeah, the one that he throws in the water is essentially just an empty backpack. Right. Uh, there's another empty, a couple different empty backpacks for just people walking around because the the hero backpack is quite heavy. There's a lot of machined metal parts in it. Um, and then the hero obviously uh, is the, the very, very nice one. And we made uh, the center core with the AI was we had a couple different versions of that that um, Mike Beach could smash right. on the day. So oh, right. we have the hero one and then several replaceable versions that he could he could wail on. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That must be so satisfying an actor to just like break something like that. Yeah, I mean, there's a few actors who get a little bit too into it. Oh no! Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we obviously I'm not going to name it, name names, but yeah. we've received memos from like the studio being under no circumstances is this actor to have a real you know hammer or whatever it is. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, just because they're known to get really into it, which is great, and yeah. that's, that's part of what we yeah. do. Why we do what we do is the ability for us to to make safe items, so they can do that, is great. But um, our onset crew needs to be very aware, so that uh, they don't get too into it and destroy all the props before the cameras are even rolling. <laughs> that's so funny. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But it's just it's passion, right? It's, you you, yeah. you gotta love it for that. So. I mean, yeah, you want them to be that engaged. Exactly. Yeah. This question comes from Ken B, who is Grady Bridges on Twitter, and I want to know this too. Um, are there any chance of making prints of the list that Clark made to sell to fans slash making recreations of any of the props? That is a question that would be for uh, Warner Brothers. Um, I know, <laughs> oh, great. I know, yeah, I know Paxton, the, the prop master, and I have discussed like how cool it would be to create certain items um, for fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we'd absolutely love to do it, um, but it's sort of more of a, a legal, you know, uh, intellectual properties question than sure. it is our willingness. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've wanted to make duplicates of things like you know the flame or Lexa swords yeah. or any of that kind of stuff. Um, Roan's crown, you know, I've always found they, they're really interesting items just to sort of have on display. Uh, and we'd very much be willing, but uh, at this point, there's no plans for that. Okay. Let's put it that way. Right. Um, this next question comes from Crystal from Black Girl Nerds, who is at Wordy Blurred on Twitter. Uh, what's your favorite type of prop to make? Probably swords. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a geeky guy, man. I grew up watching Lord of the Rings and... Uh, you know, reading King Arthur and all that kind of stuff. So I love swords and swordplay and that whole aspect. Um, there's something really satisfying about all the different uh, av- aspects of making uh, a good blade, um, especially for film, because we get to do not only the hero metal swords, but also the stunt bamboos and the rubbers. So there's it's just such an involved process. Um, and as, in our show in particular that warrior culture that the grounders kind of have um, means that weapons tend to be very personal items. So you can inject a lot of character into uh, what a person's carrying with them, uh, which is awesome because it's all for me. I, I love the story. I love trying to inject a story wherever I can. And you personalized Octavia's sword, didn't you? Uh, we did a little bit. Um, the original sword, which was uh, hasn't changed much. Her the sword that she got from Lincoln, besides the fact that it was, um, you know, broken mm-hmm. uh, by Echo. 
But uh, the she did inherit a new sword at the end of season four, um, and there's a little bit of uh, personalization on there that you may or may not see. I I, I, know, I, talk, I know I mentioned it at Unity Days a little bit, but uh, I'll just keep it under the rest of it under wraps for now, okay. just uh, in case it shows up or not. Do you have, like, a dream sword build? Like, if you could build any sword from any fictional universe, which one would you build? Oh, from any fictional yeah. universe? Jeez. Because, like, That's a I would one. totally love a Batleth. Like, you know, from Star Trek? Yeah. Like, those huge Klingon swords? That'd be fun. Yeah, that would be pretty, that'd be pretty yeah. rad. I think I'd love to, I'd love to make um, Elrond's sword. Yes. Or, no, sorry, not Elrond's sword. Haldir's sword. It's, it's... It's wielded by Haldir in Lord of the Rings okay. uh, in the Two Towers. He's the guy who shows up at the head of the Wood, the wood Elf army. And um, you barely see it, but it's such a sleek-looking weapon. And I've always wanted... Like, I've been waiting for United Cutlery to make one, and then they, obviously they kind of stopped making Lord of the Rings swords and did, you know, Hobbit swords. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I guess it's never going to happen. So maybe I'll have to resurrect that. That or just like an awesome lightsaber. I mean, oh yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I forget those are swords. Yeah, right. So this last fan question comes from Denise again, and she's wondering if being a props props master or props artist uh, changes the way that you view TV and movies. Oh, for sure. Um, props is an incredibly detail oriented department. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of other, I mean, all all apartment uh, departments are are detail oriented, of course. But we tend to work just with very very small items like watches or coins or things like mm-hmm. that. So you tend to look a little bit closer uh, at the world. Um, but it also you you start learning really random knowledge because. Um, you know, the difference between the types of forks that they use in different eras uh, or, you know. Forks. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh, you, you'd see a, a Western. It's like, oh, they have a, a fork with four tines. Like, no, that in that era, they only have three <laughs> tines, right? Yeah. So it's this weird little bit of you, you'd start to get this sense of random trivia that permeates everything you watch. Um, but it also means that I, I you start to take appreciation for the really, really talented prop artists out there. Like watching Blade Runner recently, uh, the new one, I was just like over the moon. It's like, oh my God, it's so cool. <laughs> All the stuff they have is so cool. So we'll, uh, we'll geek out on really great prop movies. So did, that kind of moves into another part of her question, which was, do you ever find yourself like having to walk away from shows or movies because the issues with the props are, are too distracting? Uh, sometimes I, I've never, I've never walked away. I don't think right. because for me, if a story is good enough and the, you know, the performance is good enough, then everything else fades to the background. Really. Mm-hmm. There's this, there's this idea that, I kind of espouse to that no one should ever really notice the props. Like they should yeah. be really, really cool. And if you happen to see them, you know, you, you should be wanting to look mm-hmm. at them, but they should just exist in the world and not detract from everything else that's going on in scene. Cause it, cause everything that we do is just to enable the actor's action. But, uh, I think I watched a Jackie Chan period piece, like some, I can't remember what it was, but the, the swords just looked, they just looked like plastic. Oh. Um, and it and it just made it really difficult for me to take the fight scene seriously because, you know, the weight was all wrong and it just was like, all right, well, sure. <laughs> all right. So the last thing that we like to do is kind of a lightning round. So I'm just going to like throw out some questions and you can just answer them as quickly as you can. <laughs> okay. No pressure, though. All right. Yeah, I pro- they're not hard and there's no spoilers. It's just like general okay, fun you stuff. Okay, okay, let's do it. Favorite food? Uh, pasta. Favorite character on the show? Echo. Favorite character to make props for? Raven. Favorite movie? Jurassic Park. <gasps> Same! Yeah! This is my favorite movie of all time. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? Got me into, mil- got me into film. Yeah, same, but for writing. There you go. Celebrity crush? Ooh. V. 
Vigo Mortensen. That, that's a great answer. <laughs> nice. Yeah, just I mean, as a straight dude, Vigo. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> Favorite band? Uh, Matthew Goodband. Okay. Would you rather live in space or in the bunker? In space. Favorite project that you've worked on? The hundred. Dream travel destination? Antarctica. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, you can take a plane pretty much everywhere else if you really want to. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. Favorite season of the hundred that you've worked on? Season five. Nice. And name drop the most famous person you've ever met or worked with. Most famous person I've ever met or worked with. Oh, geez. Um, I'd say Robert Kirkman, just because as a Walking Dead fan, comic and uh, show wise, I think that was probably, to me, the most famous person. Okay, so then the dream travel destination, but a fictional universe. Ooh. Ooh, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Uh, I'm going to say Hobbiton. Oh, yes. Nice. Good answer. And finally, a fun fact about you. Fun fact about me. I, oh, I don't know. I can recite, I can tell you exactly what's happening on screen if you watch Gladiator <laughs> only by listening to the soundtrack. <laughs> wow, yeah. <laughs> that's a fun fact. <laughs> yeah. Your level of nerd is fantastic. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad to hear it. That's like the least nerdiest fact I could have given about myself. Thank you so much for listening. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too. And if you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show too. You can follow the aficionados on Twitter, Tumblr, Redbubble, Instagram, YouTube soon. Just every social network you can think of. All over the place. <laughs> Our Patreon is patreon.com slash the aficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating. It's expensive. <laughs> and thank you to Anthony for coming and talking with us. This was awesome. Yay! Thank you very much for having us. It, it was a real treat to be here. Uh, do you want to tell us where we can find you on the internet? You can uh, follow us on Instagram at Union. Um, you can follow myself at uh, Arcus Art on Twitter, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's our little props crew who's now they're actually working on Van Helsing, so go <gasps> check that out and support the rest of my guys who are doing that. That's awesome so show, cool! So. You guys get the yeah. best jobs. <laughs> we we're pretty we're pretty lucky. So uh, you can follow me personally at Robin E Jeffrey. That's R O B Y N E J E F F R E Y. Pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me at Abritania, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye! Love you, bye! (laughs) Fantastic.